Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Joelle. After an extended hiatus, we return today with our departing Andersonville Chamber of Commerce Executive Director, Sarah Dinges, whose last day with the organization is today, Wednesday, July 29th. Sarah started with Andersonville in 2008, working as the Managing Director of the Andersonville Development Corporation, now ASCA, a position she held until 2011, and then returned to Andersonville at the helm as Executive Director of the Chamber and ASCA in May of 2017. Welcome, Sarah. How are you today? I am doing fine. Thanks for asking. Usually I (laughs) ask that question, so... (laughs) Yep. And usually you're on our side of the podcast interview. So how does it feel to be in the hot seat today, so to speak? Well, I'm, you know, a little bit nervous to be in the hot seat. I'm not going to lie. But the truth is I'm usually nervous asking the questions too. So just the same, I guess, on both sides. And how are you feeling today in in your last week? I was saying to Joelle before we hit record, I think that this week, every day is just going to feel surreal and not, um, yeah, kind of like, not like it's real. So I think that that really hit me this morning and that it's my last Monday at the chamber and, you know, only three more days to go definitely feels very surreal. And we see your, your office there over Zoom. So are you saying your goodbyes to your office space as well? I am in my office, um, just this is where I can kind of escape from my children. <laughs> a couple of us have been coming in here safely and staggered. Uh, so yeah, I am cleaning out some things and will be saying goodbye to my office space this week. Yep. And before we get into kind of what you're on to next, um, what have the, the last final weeks been like for you in, in your current role? Yeah, I think that these final weeks, it's been mixed with sadness um, and also great confidence and hope for the future for the chamber as well. So I think that, and I'm sure everybody is dealing with this in their own professional and personal lives, but um, I, you know, hadn't really expected to be transitioning out of the chamber this year or in such a short time frame, or in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, and so I think all of those things, you know, kind of coming together, make it um, really sad to think about that there's kind of a sense of, you know, we will never return to pre-COVID-19 days. Um, and that carries the most sadness for me, I think, when I reflect on our time as a team in the office, the last couple of weeks that we were all together, like late February, early March. And had I known that that was going to be like truly our last couple of weeks physically together, working together, um, I don't know. I think that I would have approached that a little bit differently and tried to be a little bit more present and take, present and take that in. So. There's a lot of sadness there. I think also, though, as we've been making the announcement about my departure and uh, sending that out to the membership and to the greater Andersonville community, I think in our messaging um, about what that's going to look like and how the team is going to carry the organization forward, I've just had a lot of confidence and hope 
in that process and in those next steps in my one-on-ones with all of you talking about the future and kind of handing things off. I think I've just been reminded how talented and capable and um, wonderful you all are. So that also leaves me with a sense of peace in um, departing. So yeah, that's that's been kind of the mixture of things over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm sure it's been an emotional roller coaster for sure. Well, you've been a part of Andersonville for a really long time. Will you kind of share with us your, your history with the neighborhood and how it began? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that I've also been reflecting on how I first joined the Andersonville team in 2008. And, you know, that feels like a long time to me, kind of in the, 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 younger, the younger years of my hopefully overall career. And it pales in comparison, you know, to the people that we work with in Andersonville who have been living and working and investing in this neighborhood for decades. Um, But I do feel like it's been um, good to reflect on the last 12 and a half years and what that has looked like. So um, I am my my area of study in college, I'm an urban planning, urban studies major, and my focus was on community development. And when I was doing that, I just realized that um, I loved cities. I loved the way that they kind of click and they work, but I was also very, very interested in the ways that um, they sometimes don't work or need to work better. And where I felt like the most impact and the greatest change could happen was on neighborhood level, um, kind of on a grassroots level, working up from the bottom. And so when I was studying urban planning in school, um, I really just fell in love with neighborhoods and knew that I wanted to work in neighborhoods. And so I was just pretty much floored and thrilled to um, begin working in Andersonville back in 2008. You know, where I come from, which is um, a smaller Rust Belt city, the city of Pittsburgh, Chambers of Commerce aren't really uh, prolific there. And I think that that's throughout a lot of cities. Actually, the work that we do as a Chamber of Commerce in a lot of other cities is more compared to um, the term of bid, a business improvement district. And so I had no idea really what a Chamber of Commerce was or how it functioned. And even on a national level, you think of a Chamber of Commerce as something a little bit more conservative than the work that we do, like the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Um, and I am a thousand percent digressing from the question, which I usually do and talk about other things, so I apologize. Anyhow, I had no idea really what a Chamber of Commerce was and what it did, but I knew that I wanted to work in neighborhoods. And so um, I learned so much in those early years with the team that was in place here, Ellen and Jason and Jessica, and it really... Um, not only fell in love with Andersonville and its community spirits, but also the way that it had pioneered through the years in terms of its commitment to localism and local ownership. And that was very, very hard, tedious work for a long time. I think it's easy a little bit to forget how localism was talked about 15 years ago, even 10 years ago, um, because now it feels so trendy and so widespread. Um, but for many years, you know, 
Andersonville, again, it was like a pioneering concept to say that we are going to fight for local ownership. We're going to prioritize local ownership um, because we really think that that is the best economic development strategy to build the strongest community possible. And so it was many years of like doing the, the, the research and finding the data and having conversations with property owners about um, what local really means and how it can benefit a community. And so some of that information and that data, you know, is like now shared on a national stage, which I said before on this podcast by Small Business Saturday run by American Express and it's become so mainstream. But, um, but I, yeah, so I came on board, you know, really at the, at the cusp of all of that work. Um, it had been in the works for years, but I think it was really taking shape in a new way when I came on board. Um, and so the, the three and a half years that I was here the first time was just filled with so much exciting work. Um, it was also when I started in March of 2008, that was just a couple months before the recession hit uh, in the fall of 2008. And so I remember that first holiday season being quite scary. Um, and I just, I remember the resilience of the community then, and that really, really struck me at that time. Sorry, I know that I kind of diverged there from the question, which now I'm actually forgetting what the original question was. I just asked you what you had for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's great. And what are a few of your favorite memories from both Andersonville chapters overall, if you can recall a few? Yeah, so I mean, I think I talked about that that first time when I was here, you know, I think there were some really great, great initiatives and great projects that happened then. Um, our historic district, our national historic district came to fruition during that time. And that was very exciting. And again, had been worked on for many years. Um, we did a retail attraction study rooted in this data and this localism um theories that you know i had mentioned that i think was very very groundbreaking and bits and pieces of that is still um is still very much ingrained in the work that we do today at the chamber um also then our commitment to environmental sustainability was very much at the forefront of our programmatic work and we launched a green building rebate program which is still in existence today um, we got a grant from the state of Illinois to have the first ever commercial district recycling program, which I know uh, we want to kind of clean up and revamp a little bit currently, but at the time that was a really big deal to have the first commercial district recycling program in the city of Chicago. And that was through a grant that I wrote um, with the state. I remember having a meeting with the city of Chicago with the, uh, a person in their streets and sand department. And they were like, what do you want to do? This, you know, this, this can't be done. And we, we kind of found a way to, to make it happen. And the day that those recycling bins arrived was a very exciting day. Um, in the, the second chapter, <laughs> this last chapter, you know, I think that um, when I came in as the executive director and there were, I would say two major things happening one was that the chamber itself as an organization had just gone through a lot of transition and there was the need to rebuild our team and just, um, just have a refreshed vision for what our work was going to look like. Um, 
there also was a year of kind of a quite a number of business closures and vacancies in the neighborhood that felt a little bit um, that felt kind of scary, I think, for the business community. And there was a need to, I think, press the pause button and decide what is our story in Andersonville and how we're going to tell that story. And so I really think that the two things then ended up going hand in hand because we ended up building the team um, with just these incredible storytellers and people who felt really passionate about the community and about thinking innovatively and creatively about the work and thinking a little bit outside the box and not always doing it in the way that maybe our chamber had done it or chambers in general had done it in the past. And I think as a team, we all set, kind of set the goal of the narrative of Andersonville and elevating that narrative in a whole new way. And that, that came, you know, the result of that was the brand new neighborhood guide, launching this podcast, revamping all of our events <laughs> um, in very, very fun, different ways. So uh even the first sidewalk sale saying we don't want to just make this a sidewalk sale but we want 40 buskers to be involved throughout that weekend lining the streets of the neighborhood and we want to make it truly a special experience um so i think that i think that that has been really that that thread of um elevating the andersonville experience that you can't find that experience online and when you come to Andersonville, no matter your path here, how long you've been here or who you are, um, there is something very special about the neighborhood. And I think that um, telling that story in different ways has been one of the highlights. I think also just in telling that story and elevating the Andersonville experience, We've also learned in the past couple of years that that hasn't been the case for everybody. And it hasn't been the case for um, systemically and historically marginalized people, for the transgender nonconforming community, for black and BIPOC neighbors. And I think that, um, you know, one of, I, I don't wanna say it's like a highlight, but I think it's, you know, the one of the top kind of the utmost carries the most importance of the work that we've done over the past couple of years has been to scratch at the surface of truly making Andersonville a safe and welcoming place for every single person. And I'm curious to know, Sarah, how you feel, you know, you've changed and grown and learned as a leader um, during this second part of your chapter in Andersonville with all of us. So I'll say, you know, before I came in as the executive director in Andersonville, I had held two other executive director positions, one in Uptown in Chicago and one in the Strip District neighborhood in Pittsburgh. And I entered both of those organizations at a time of massive kind of transition and change and some need for restructuring as well. And so I think that this like need for restructuring um, was something that I had already been through and had already had some learned lessons from. And I think that the top learned lesson that I had was just, we need to hear from the community. We need to talk with the community. We need to talk with stakeholders. We need to ask businesses what they need. And so when I came in um, 
as the executive director in Andersonville, I really, if you all remember on our second, on my second day, we had a members meeting <laughs> and we did a lot of like group exercises and listening. And, you know, there are things that came up at that members meeting that like we put into effect right away some changes or, um, you know, some things that had, that have shaped our work a ton over the last three and a half years. Um, so I think just my leadership style is really um, to listen first and then to kind of weigh what needs to be done and not to also be, not to kind of listen for too long <laughs> and not be afraid of action. When I walked in and had our first staff meeting, <laughs> and Joelle had been here for a while during a lot of transition, and Laura and David were brought on temporarily um, to do way too much, and Danny was kind of transitioning, um, you know, into a, a full-time position, and yeah, I think that my first initial thoughts was like we've all found ourselves here somehow some way and i do believe in some sort of like things are meant to be if they are what they are and so let's explore this and see how this team gels and see what they're made of and you know i think we had a lot of work to do at the beginning because it was like six weeks until midsummer fest um, but I really made a commitment to like give it a go with all of you over the summer and um, but not for too long because we also needed stability and so <laughs> um, I'll just you know reflect on that first Midsummer Fest and Midsummer Fest in general for the general public is it's amazing and I cried a lot this year during the weekend that Midsummer Fest was supposed to happen because I kind of wouldn't wish running Midsummer Fest on anybody, but when it's taken away from you, it's very, very, very sad because it is such a beautiful weekend and such a beautiful event. But it's also kind of a pressure cooker. And I just remember our first Midsummer Fest. I mean, we had all met like together as a team almost a little bit more than a month prior to that. And then we're being like thrown <laughs> to the wolves in this really, really, really hard situation that's a pressure cooker and where we like host this massive event for 100,000 people. And I think that that weekend, I just realized these are the right people because um, there were a lot of moments that, you know, I think that what I'm getting choked up. Um, what I remember witnessing was that these are people who want to serve the community and who care about the community and, you know, aren't just looking to be like right in the middle of a hard situation, but really care about doing the right thing and what's best for the neighborhood. And I felt like if that can be our MO during Midsummer Fest, then, you know, there's something really special here. So I think it really hit me that weekend that, this was the right team, a really good team of people who are going to accomplish really wonderful things. Well, thank you for sharing, Sarah. That's very nice of you to say. We're definitely feel like we're a family here and we'll miss you dearly. And I'm curious what you're going to miss about Andersonville in general, the neighborhood, the people, the food. What are some of your top highlights? 
obviously we hope you see the neighborhood and visit us, but it'll be different. Well, that, yeah, that's a very long list and I'll try to boil it down. I mean, I'm not, I'm not moving. I'm not going anywhere. So that, that's good. <laughs> that feels good. Um, you know, I think that one thing that we all love about Andersonville is the sense of community and walking down the street every day and running into people that you know and um, just that, yeah, that very kind of small world feel. Um, you know, I'll miss having that every single day. I don't live far. I lived in Andersonville for a number of years and now I live um, kind of at the border of Edgewater and Rogers Park, but um, my kid goes to school in the neighborhood and I work here and I spend a lot of time here and visit a lot of businesses here. And I think having that um, kind of that cohesion in my personal and professional life, you know, sometimes people really would prefer having more boundaries <laughs> and boundaries are good. <laughs> Um, as we can all attest to, um, having lived and worked in this neighborhood for a long time, but there's something deeply rich about, um, you know, also having an enmeshed life where you're really part of this community and you kind of know the ins and outs and you see it from a lot of different facets. So being a parent at the neighborhood school, um, and working here and living here and all of that together has just made my life very, very rich. Um, given that, my kids will still go to the neighborhood public school and we won't be far, so I'll be around a lot. And what can you tell us about your new position? Where can people find you? Yeah, so I am going to be working for the Committee on Housing and Real Estate. I will be in a policy-focused position. So. Um, it's a little bit of a jump for me in terms of, you know, I, I will be focusing on citywide policy and citywide initiatives and efforts. And I am very excited about that. It's a, um, it can probably go without saying it's a critical time in our city. There are many um, crises and housing, which is one of the basic needs of every single human and needs to be stable. Housing is one of them. And there was a housing crisis before coronavirus. And as with a lot of things, coronavirus has, um, you know, kind of taken off any band-aids <laughs> and shown the crisis even kind of fuller. And so I, um, my, my first position ever as an urban planning student was actually working for a community development corporation in Pittsburgh um, working on affordable housing projects in a public-private partnership, um, building really just wonderful homes that um, were for low-income people. And um, I, I really am excited to kind of return after a long time to that content area and to initiatives and efforts that are um, focused more citywide. So I will be, yeah, so I'll be with the Committee on Housing Real Estate, which is chaired by um, Harry Osterman of the 48th Ward. And so, but I will not, you know, I won't be really working on constituent services or ward services at all. And 
if you if you have any thoughts about this, I think it's interesting, especially during this time of COVID. What is your philosophy? philosophy been like about balancing family and work life and how do you foresee that moving forward with this new position? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, this is such a time, right? And people ask me a lot, what's it, what's it been like working at home uh, with your kids? And I'm just like, it's a disaster. <laughs> There's no other word for it. It's a total other disaster. Um, and I say that from a place of great privilege. We are, uh, my family has been healthy throughout this. We um, just have privilege kind of spewing out of our lives in a thousand different ways. And so, you know, it's, it's been an interesting time. I feel like I have been balancing from the beginning of COVID really hitting in the pandemic as like, What's the future of Andersonville and this business district? How do we support our businesses? What's the future of the chamber, our organization? Um, how do we support and, and, and kind of sustain ourselves as an organization? I've been you know, at home with my three children who are all different ages and pretty young and have different, very high levels of need based on their ages. Um, you know, trying to support their own emotional responses, which um, based on their ages are hard for them to verbalize. They're kind of more internalized. And I've also been every single day thinking about the ways in which I contribute to a system of white supremacy and how to dismantle that and um, work with white colleagues on that, but listen to BIPOC teachers and leaders on how to do that and how to raise kids who are white and um, have been assigned male at birth. So just how to raise kids who are also hearing that and knowing what's going on and kind of absorbing it the best that they can. So there's a lot right now happening um, for, for all humans and for, for, for us, you know, uh, raising kids right now and trying to work and, and trying to, figure this all out. And again, like I say that from such a place of privilege um, and health and well-being. So I don't know. I, I think um, that's what it's looked like for me. That's kind of what's been on my mind, carrying all of those things. And in the midst of that, I've tried to, um, you know, also care for myself and care for the people around me as best that I can. Um, but I think that that's also been with the viewpoint of like, how do we take care of each other, like greater human each other, um, which is just kind of the biggest priority right now. And you touched on a little bit about, um, you know, when you first started working at a chamber of commerce and not really understanding what a chamber of commerce did, um, what would you like people to know about what a chamber of commerce does and why is it important right now for communities to rally behind and support their local chambers of commerce? Yeah, I feel like I want to come back and do a whole podcast episode just on this because, you know, I feel like people, people who live in Andersonville or are Andersonville customers or fans and, you know, kind of who are familiar with our neighborhood and our chamber, I think that they get it because they see what comes out of our chamber and what comes out of our neighborhood as it being very linked. I mean, I think that, um, 
taking it back and trying to be a little bit philosophical for a second, um, no space is unplanned. Every single space, whether public or private, has to be planned. And the planning of public space is important and it needs to be done in a way that is accessible and welcoming and safe and vibrant and experiential and all of these things. And so I think if you set foot in Andersonville, you are experiencing something that the chamber has done intentionally. The chamber um, not only is a membership organization that provides support to its business owners and its business community, but it is also a steward of the district and a steward of the public space that is Andersonville. Um, so when you think about a chamber, you know, you'll probably, you just, you kind of have to expand your mind to think about what do you love about a neighborhood? And it's very, very likely that the chamber has had a hand, if not, has been the one to make that thing that you love happen. So, I mean, our chamber not only provides like marketing and technical assistance and, um, financial support to our business owners but we also curate public art and we host events and we put up the kiosks with maps for visitors or we put up the neighborhood guide and we do a lot of branding. So um, yeah, so I think that's what I would want to leave people with to actually think about chambers as curators of their neighborhood and to think about Andersonville or think about the neighborhood that you live in or that you love. And it's not by accident, you know, and um, and, and I think that maybe sometimes if you're in a place and you're like, oh, I don't love this and this isn't right and I want a different, that might not be by accident either. And like, usually you can call somebody <laughs> and say, why is this that, this way? Or if you can't call somebody and there's no organization, maybe that's a lack of intention and planning. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit way too philosophical. We should go back to what I ate for breakfast, which was super easy. Um, <laughs> and yet you didn't answer that. So <laughs> no, it's boring. It's like a smoothie. I mean, it's just so boring. Well, I think part of the reason too is, you know, we as a staff have been trying to share with the public how, you know, our organization is different than than a typical nonprofit, which is a 501c3. We're a 501c6. And I don't even think when I entered this job, I quite understood the difference. And I still feel like I'm still trying to understand the difference between a membership organization that's a nonprofit and a, a true nonprofit that, you know, a charity or, you know, a foundation or a fundraising organization. And so um, I know we've said it in multiple ways, um, especially during our Andersonville at Home event, the chamber, our chamber, all chambers mostly, our 501c6 organizations, and we've been ineligible so far still here at the end of July for any um, PPP funding from the government. So I know we get questions from our members and other things too of, of how to support the chamber. And I think it's just important to reach out and um, really understand, like Sarah said, um, that all this is intentional and we're we're really here because we want to be here and we want to support this community yeah and I'll just that's such a good point Joelle and I'll also just add you know that um, for we we fundraise through events you know that is how we mainly generate revenue we do have a little bit of our funding comes from the city um, 
but even when I was here the first time and working on a lot of environmental sustainability work, I reached out to foundations in Chicago and um, different funders to say, you know, would you fund these projects in Andersonville? And the answer was always no. Um, and that's because a lot of the priority of those foundations and those funders go to the south and west sides in Chicago, as that funding should. Um, and so, you know, we, I think over time, we have not really gone after, I mean, there's a lot of charitable giving that we can go after because we're not a 501c3, but there's a lot that we just have kind of intentionally not gone after and we've said, let's host events, let's, you know, kind of back to the whole local ownership theory, let's raise the money to support this chamber from the local community um, and let, you know, kind of the city spend its resources where the priority is. And, um, and that's left us in a hard spot because just the federal government has deemed 501c6s ineligible for the PPP, as you mentioned, which is really the thing that has been kind of saving businesses and organizations right now who have lost all their revenue. And because we can't have events, we've lost all of our revenue. Um, so yeah, I think that it's just um, everybody in their own industries and sectors has been impacted by this. And I think it's just really good to kind of share our story and how we've been impacted. Well, you've left us with some really big shoes to fill. And so they're actually very small. <laughs> um, you know, is there anything that any tips or advice or life inspirations you can share with us to help us um, as we navigate, you know, these these next months without you and kind of being and growing um, without your leadership? Well, that's a big question. And I would say, you know, you all know that I will never not answer a question. <laughs> so any, you can call me anytime and you know that I will talk about it. But I think that, um, one thing that I have felt that's very, very, very important in this season um, is that we have to plan for the future, but we can't hold on to any of those plans that we make. And we also have to stay insanely fluid and flexible in the work that we do. Um, and that's really going to be a delicate dance of holding both things, of holding the, the need and the importance to plan and also the need to stay fluid in um, how plans might need to change down the road. You know, I think that also just the work that we've done in this space of allyship over the last two years and the work that is required as us, as a majority white organization, a majority white neighborhood, um, you know, it just has to be at the forefront of every single thing that we do. and you are all my teachers in that as well. I think we've learned from each other. So I feel so confident that that will stay kind of at the forefront of the work of our chamber and our organization. And I, I know that it will. And I think that that just has to be um, at the forefront of the work moving forward. So our current team, in case you're all wondering, um, consists of Laura, who's here on the interview, myself, David, and Heather. Um, you've heard from all of us at various times uh, throughout the years of this podcast, not David as much, but we did hear from all of us on episode 100 of the podcast, if you want to go back 
and listen a little bit more about what each of us do in our roles and how we'll continue to serve you and serve the community and serve the business community moving forward. As Laura said, it's very big shoes to fill uh, with Sarah's departure. Um, but we're going to rally together and we are a chamber family and we will move us forward um, through COVID and whatever is next um, for this economic landscape. Um, if you'd rather check us out on the website, uh, you can find it under our organizations under the chamber. There's a who we are and learn a little bit more about what you would contact each of us for individually. We always um, close our episodes with the same question of which Andersonville business would you like to trade places with for the day, for a day and why? Um, but along with that, are there any last memories you would like to share with us? Yes, I will share the last memories first. I am coming up with a top 10 list that I'm going to share at our staff lunch this week, but I think those are probably left best not shared publicly on the podcast. Um, but I think that uh, every single ribbon cutting, every ribbon cutting is my favorite memory. You know, they are, they are so special, a time of celebration. If you think about the number of ribbon cuttings that we've had in the past couple of years, how many of those have been retail locations when um, on a national stage, people feel like there's a retail apocalypse. Well, not in Andersonville. And, um, you know, ribbon cuttings, just that day where we celebrate this person's vision and passion coming to life is really special. So I think those will always be kind of my favorite lasting memories. I don't think I can actually answer <laughs> if I had to switch. Um, I, let's see, okay, I'll say one thing and like, is there a neutral answer to this? <laughs> There's not a neutral answer. That's the thing. It's like, if I say something in the retail sector, then I leave out the food and beverage sector. If I say something north of Bryn Mawr, then I leave out South of Foster. Um, if I say something on the west side of the street, the 40th, 40th Ward, and the east side of the street, the 48th Ward, there are so many ways to break what if it. Trade, what if you could trade places with, like, an object in Andersville? <laughs> <laughs> well, the like water you're not tower of water tower. Tower. <laughs> yeah you know I think I think one question could be what what business do you miss the most um over time and I do think even though it has been replaced by one of my favorite businesses um I love Great Lake Pizza that was on Balmoral it's now the same space as where Deflower Bakery is so um which is one of my favorite places and Great Lake Pizza, there was just something so special and unique about it. Um, I lived right down the street and so I feel like we went there a lot and then you know over time there was kind of the folklore the Great Lake Pizza that Beyonce and Jay-Z came to the neighborhood one night and they ended up having cocktails at Vincent while they were waiting for Great Lake Pizza and one time Oprah she was flying to Africa said like I need a great like pizza on my airplane so I don't know all the kind of I'm sure there's more but all the truth around that but um great like pizza it was also around before I had kids and so I just was a lot more carefree <laughs> um just remember it kind of resembles like a very wonderful time in my life of 
sitting um, in that little space enjoying a pizza. And I'm, I'm Italian um, and I love kind of, it, it's not, it wasn't fully like Naples pizza, but um, I love that style of like drinking wine out of a tumbler and just sitting at a small, small table and having this kind of like handcrafted pizza is a kind of special experience for me personally. <laughs> so um, yeah. Thank you, Sarah, for leaving us today. I mean, joining us today. And thank you for tuning in once again to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Sarah, please try and find her deleted blog from the aughts or follow her on TikTok at Sarah M. Dinges. Show notes are available at andersonville.org. Now that you are leaving, Sarah, miscellaneous expenses of the company will decrease, productivity will increase, deadlines will be met, and efficiency will spike. On a serious note, the exact opposite will happen. Farewell, we will miss you, and don't be a stranger. And as we mentioned at the top of the episode, the podcast is returning from our long hiatus, but we need your help to sustain. We're actively looking for podcast sponsors now. Please email me, Joelle, at jshalia, that's S-C-I-L-L-I-A, at andersonville.org for more information. Bye, Sarah. Ciao for now. (laughs) 